Back to your host, Jim Freed. All right, we're back, and we are here with Tommy Zimroth. Tommy, welcome to the show. Yeah, I didn't need anything before I came on the show today. Now I want to buy three houses and seven Jaguars. Yeah, plus that bridge you wanted as well. Yeah, in, in Brooklyn, can you get that one? I can get that one. I know the guy that owns it. Okay. So listen now, Tom, let's tell a little bit about your background. You've been out there. You've been an artist, an entrepreneur uh, out in the San Francisco area for quite some time. Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. I like that. It's very San Francisco-y. So tell me, what's it like in San Francisco today? Dark. Actually, it's very scary. It's uh, 9.34 in the morning, and it's as dark as it was at midnight. Uh, because of all the fires surrounding the Bay Area, there are low clouds and fog and smoke above that and the sun can't get through and it's just an orange dark glow in the sky it's frightening looking it's horrible wow and i always thought san francisco was the nicest place on the planet well maybe that'll drive real estate prices down tommy so tommy uh you've had a, a quite an interesting career uh you started off as a photographer tell us a little about that maybe some of the people you might run into oh my god how long is it the show? <laughs> well, we'll have you back. How about that? I uh, I started out, as you know, as a clarinetist. I wanted to be the principal clarinet player of the New York Philharmonic, but I got I pivoted while I was in college at SC and uh, was in the right place at the right time, uh, photographing a lot of musicians and uh, got into photojournalism, uh, touring with a lot of bands. I mean, you called me earlier a rock and roll photographer. I haven't really done any rock and roll and. 35 years, but I did a lot of it. Um, actually, my first portrait when I was 21 years old was John Lennon, which was kind of cool. And so actually, my, my first two portraits were Marx and Lennon, Groucho and John. Oh, that's tremendous. Uh, who was funnier? I couldn't make that up. Who was funnier, Groucho or John? Uh, it was a toss-up. Groucho was, uh, you know, I knocked on his door. Uh, he I said, who, he said, who is it? I said, it's Tom Zimbarov. He said, funny, you don't look anything like him, but come on in anyway. <laughs> he, he was great. He was great. That's tremendous. Okay, so who was your first, um, after Lennon, who did you photograph after that? Oh, my God, Jim. I mean, <laughs> I was traveling all over the world with rock and roll bands for years, but then everybody else started shooting rock and roll, too. And I, I don't know, I, I was never very satisfied doing one genre of photography, I just kind of wanted to do something well enough, I guess, and move on to the next thing. So I started doing a lot of uh, photojournalism. I worked in Central America for a couple of years for Time Magazine. Actually, I worked for Time Magazine as a freelancer for 25 years and a lot of other magazines. I moved from L.A. in 1987 to come up to the Bay Area, to Sausalito, uh, to do more commercial work, uh, which I did until I quit that to start a software company. And uh, that kind of blew up in the dot-com bubble. And um, I still want to reboot that company. It's still a good idea. Um, but uh, in the interim, I published a couple of books about motorcycles, which actually kept me for quite a long time in Florida. Uh, so I, I enjoyed my sojourn there. Uh, and uh, now I'm uh, writing my memoir, actually. It's called A Photographic Memory. Oh, well, I wonder where that came from. Who's yeah, chapter yeah. one? Chap I don't, haven't decided yet. That's up to the editors. But three, four years ago, the uh, University of Texas at Austin acquired my whole archive, my entire career's work of film, literally a ton of film, literally on a pallet. They came and picked it up. And it's all sitting in Austin right now. And it's being, well, nobody's doing anything with it right now. 
but it's being scanned and conserved for academic research and whatnot at the Briscoe Center for American History. So I'm writing a book about, well, each chapter is a different portrait and the backstory behind the person I photographed. Well, I know that you did John Huston. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, man. John Huston had a face like a Hollywood roadmap. Uh, <laughs> he was great. He was like a big orangutan, the way he walked, the way he moved, and he had so much character. I was working on a movie in Budapest. And, God, you're taking me way back, man. You're making me seem really old. Way uh, back, machine. <laughs> it was in 1980. Budapest. Budapest. Yeah, well... Um, we were paid this per diem, which was the equivalent of about, I don't know, 15, 20 bucks American, but it meant uh, when converted to florins, the local currency, a guy would knock on my door every morning with a bag of money, uh, which I, I couldn't even spend it all. So we played, uh, actually when I asked um, Houston to sit for a portrait, um, he agreed and then afterwards, uh, I, he invited me to a poker game, but he said, uh, son, it's not poker unless someone gets hurt. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, when I had a poker game at my house in Sausalito, subsequently after that, I always sat in front of his portrait, which was about 40 by 30 inches in back of me with this really dour looking poker face. So, yeah, he was cool. He was cool. Um, let's see. Let's pick another one. The Reagans. I know you, I know you uh, went to the Reagan Ranch. Tell me about that. I learned how to not, how not to piss off the leader of the free world. <laughs> well, that's okay. He's 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 not here today. We can talk. Oh, I had a lot of interesting stories with him. Um, I went up there with uh, Mike Evans, who was staying at my house in L.A. at the time, who covered Reagan for time during the campaigns. He later became the White House photographer. But we went up there, and it was not that long after I had spent a lot of time with the former ruler of Panama. General Omar Torrijos. And um, I, I, again, the story is way too long to tell shortly, but I'll just skip to the chase. But basically, at one point, he asked me to pass along a sort of a tongue-in-cheek message to Reagan if I ever saw him. And this was before he became president, before he was even president-elect. But he said, uh, you know this man, Reagan, I'm, I'm not going to do the silly Panamanian dialect here. <laughs> but this man, Reagan, you know, what was he, a governor? He played uh, a monkey. What you know? He's well. He's a crazy man. He called me a tin horn dictator. Well, you can tell him that you know he could have been a little more polite. He could have called me a golden dictator. <laughs> you know, maybe silver dictator, maybe you know. But uh, I'm not a tin horn. I'm a professional. I'm very good at what I do. You tell him that for me. So I did. <laughs> and Reagan is giving me the stink eye through this whole story. It was kind of funny, but. Uh, he pleaded he didn't really hear the whole thing, that he had a, you know, he was hard of hearing in his right ear, but I could see the hearing aid. I know he heard me. But anyway, he still let me photograph him many times later, so. Uh, <laughs> and how about Mrs. Reagan? How was she to deal with? You know, she made one impression on me that I never really liked. <clears throat> I, I told you my friend Mike Evans, who covered them through two presidential campaigns and got to be very close. Well, I went with Mike uh, to a shoot with Reagan Actually, it was just before this one up at Rancho del Cielo in Santa Barbara, but they were at their house in Pacific Palisades, and he'd been on a first-name basis with them. Of course, you, you called Reagan governor, even while he was president-elect, and he was on a first-name basis with Nancy, but right then, he had just, you know, the election was just over, and he just told Mike, Mike, you know, have to, you, you should call me Mrs. Reagan now, not Nancy. 
I just thought that was kind of petty. Wow. Wow. Now, let's talk a little bit about um, the people that you uh, met right after your days at, uh, you went to USC, right? Uh, yes. Okay. I was going to um, say something, but it probably, I don't know if you get bleeped on uh, Zoom. You don't get bleeped. <laughs> you don't have to. You can say it. It's okay. No, 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 I won't. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, why don't we do this? I want to, I'm going to take a couple, a quick break, sell a couple cars for Warren Henry, then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about some of the great uh, rock and roll history that you've uh, witnessed uh, as you toured the world with some of them. Back after this with more great stories from Tommy Z. Simbo. All right, hey everybody. When you're looking to buy or lease a car, you want to get every advantage that you can. That's why you have to check out Warren Henry Land Rover Range Rover in Indian Jaguar up in Gainesville. That's right, Nick. They sell Audis down in the Keys. They sell them all what they have in common. Well, they're all exceptional cars. They all come with Warren Henry advantage. That means that you get complimentary service loan, dynamic wheel protection, key replacement guaranteed purchase offer, best value guarantee in the 72 hour exchange. You can take three full days to determine whether or not you like your Warren Henry vehicle. You will. You will. Go up there to 151st in Biscayne. They've got their new store up there. Say hey to May Stark. She's my service person. They've got all kinds of great deals. Place is clean as a whistle. So join me, my mom, and my beautiful wife, Vivian, and a lot of my friends. We're all members of the Warren Henry family. You should be too. Always the best service. Always the best price. Always Warren Henry. Carlson from Carlson Integrated. You know, a lot of our clients find that they can do anything, but not really everything. We are always excited to jump in and help. So whether you need another set of hands for a project or even comprehensive marketing management, our team of marketing mavens would love to have a conversation with you to see if we are the right fit. We do everything from logo and design work to email outreach and social media to writing and thought leadership. And here's a fun one. We are now offering our fabulous ebook of top 10 marketing tips on our website for free. So head over to carlsonintegrated.com and grab a copy today. And please always let us know how we can help. My email is Becca, that's B-E-K-A-H at carlsonintegrated.com. That's B-E-K-A-H at carlsonintegrated.com. Oh, yeah, she's tremendous. You know, she's absolutely tremendous. Hey, when you need a loan, give me a call. 305-773-6300. Jim Freed. I'm helping all kinds of folks get mortgages, foreigners, locals. Doesn't matter. I can help. Need cash out can help with that. You heard my partner Ed earlier. He's got 30-something years in the business. He knows it all. I just get you to him. Ed gets it done. And we don't get you too aggressive. We make sure that it's going to fit and it's going to work out for you 
just right. So give me a call at 305-773-6300. Just got off the phone with a friend of mine. Going to help him redevelop a property downtown, not residential. That's okay. Also do commercial. 305-773-6300. Why? Because when you call me, it's always all about you. Welcome back to Freedom Business. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Jim Freed or at Freedom Business. And on Instagram at Jim Freed One. Now, back to your host, Jim Freed. All right, Tommy, we talked a little bit about how, uh, well, first of all, Tommy Zimroth, he's back with us. He's traveled the world, photographing rock stars, politicians, been in the software game, um, all kinds of photographic stuff. His stuff is archived up at the University of Texas at Austin. I didn't really know that, Tommy. That's pretty pretty freaking cool. So, um, Tommy, um, you said you photographed John Lennon. What was Yoko like? Well, she wasn't there. This was during the last weekend. Which lasted a year and a half, by the way, but he was uh, separated from Yoko and uh, having an affair with his uh, uh, amuensis and secretary. May Pang was her name. And Yoko fixed them up. She figured, I guess, they needed some time apart. But uh, it was a crazy period of recordings and jam sessions and sex and drugs and rock and roll and recording with Phil Spector in L.A., which was crazy enough and uh, a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Wow. So you met the other Beatles, too, then, huh? I've met them all, but never together. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. That must have been interesting. Uh, yeah. I never spent any time with any of them other than Lennon and maybe a little bit with McCartney. But, um, yeah, it, it, was, it was quite wonderful. But, you know, one of the things that I love about what I did as a photographer is that, and this is true for almost every photographer, we're collectors. We're inveterate collectors, and what we collect are experiences, and we memorialize them with portraits. So I, I like to compare it kind of frivolously with being a big game hunter. I stalk my prey. You know, I take my best shot. I try to avoid wounding anybody gratuitously. And obviously, I look through a lens instead of down the barrel of a gun, but I still hang their heads on a wall to admire like trophies. So that's what I do. I'm a, I'm a portrait photographer. Wow, that's tremendous. How about um, Mick Jagger, the Rolling Stones? I photographed them. Actually, I was working with Stevie Wonder when he was the opening act for the Rolling Stones, if you can believe that. In 19- oh, sure. Little Steven. Sure. Well, he wasn't Little Stevie. No, no. It was after that. But it was, it was his first uh, exposure to really a white audience, a rock and roll audience, I should say. But he was the opening act for the Stones. Uh, and at the L.A. Forum, this was 1972, I think. I'm not that old. I couldn't have done this. Um, but uh, anyway, I remember... I was running up and down the, you know, the, the steps of the forum, and it's like a gigantic bowl. And Steve is in the middle of doing superstition in his set, and people are still walking in to see the stones. I mean, you know, Stevie Wonder wasn't that big yet. So at one point, I remember I had a, a cramp in my legs, and I had all these, you know, 30 pounds of cameras hanging around my neck and a tripod, and I'm running up and down the stairs, and my, my legs gave out. And uh, I remember a couple of uh, uh, ushers or bodyguards or whatever, they, they, uh, fireman carried me backstage into the dressing room uh, just before the stones were going out. And so uh, Mick and the boys were back there. And I don't know why I, I just said, you know, as they were leaving the dressing room to go on stage, I said, break a leg. And uh, Keith Richards looked at me and said, it looks like you already did, mate. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I haven't had a lot of experience with the stones except to photograph them live a few times. How about Jimi Hendrix? 
never met him, never saw him. Wow. Janice? Nope. One of my best friends who died about 10 years ago, though, had all the best pictures of those guys. When you think of Jimi Hendrix or you think of Janis Joplin or Jim Morrison or whatever, you probably have in your mind a Jim Marshall photograph. Uh, oh, that's cool. Jimi Hendrix on stage, just like that, you know? Oh, my God. So um, let's see then. Uh, Fleetwood Mac, that's more my generation. How about that? I uh, never photographed them. <laughs> Sorry. Now, let's talk, let's talk about animals. Did you ever photograph an animal? Uh, uh, <laughs> I guess so, every day. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> no, not a, big, not a big safari guy, except for the big game hunter metaphor. Okay, so Torrio, you met Torrio. What was he like? Torrijos, uh, he was a really cool guy. He uh, burned his candle politically from both ends. He uh, had friends on both ends of the spectrum. Uh, he was killed in a mysterious crash in 1981, and I think maybe the CIA had something to do with that, but it's never been proved. Um, we became friends. I basically met him by doing something, probably the most daring thing I ever did in my life, um, again, it's a long story, which, by the way, anybody who wants to read some of these stories, I've posted draft chapters at medium.com forward slash at Zimbaroff. Um, but Torrios um, was a he was a recluse. Uh, there weren't very many photographs of him at all when in 1976, Jimmy Carter, during the presidential campaign, decided to make the Panama Canal Treaties America's foreign policy issue again. Um, Anyway, I went down to Panama on my own dime originally trying to photograph the Rios. And the only way I got to do that was literally I stowed away on his helicopter. When it took off, I didn't know if they were going to invite me to leave before they landed. So that was the really scary part. But as it was, I guess he uh, realized that uh, this uh, gringo had some cojones. So uh, we became friends, actually. That night, after falling into a river, trying to photograph him after getting off the helicopter, uh, he invited me to dinner at his home invited me to have complete access to the country, anything I wanted to photograph, anything I wanted to do with him, wound up traveling around the world with him on, on David Rockefeller's private jet to promote the canal treaties. I, I had a lot of adventures. Torrios was probably the most interesting character I ever met, even though it was really on in my career. But he was a pretty cool dude. Like How about, and, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say his, his son, Martin Torrios, was elected president of Panama about 10 years ago, and I went down to visit him and his family, and uh, that was pretty interesting, too. Did you ever meet the Perones? No. Again, oh, that's a little before my time. I figured I'd ask. I figured I'd ask. So, Tommy, I want to thank you so much for being here on the show. Tell us a little bit about your book, and, and when is you know when are we going to be able to read it, and how are we going to find out more about it on Medium and stuff like that? Well, right now, it, it may or may not be published. Uh, I haven't made a decision yet by the University of Texas. Um, they've just expressed an interest in it, but um, I'm, you know, got a whole lot of time right now with the pandemic. So I've spent a lot of time trying to remember what's inside my head and put it down on paper or on a computer screen. So I've been doing a lot of writing. Um, and those stories again can be read on medium.com uh, forward slash at Z-I-M-B-E-R-O-F-F. -F. It's the opposite of Zimbaran for those of you who can't write quickly. Um, so, uh, again, each, each chapter is the backstory behind the portrait of somebody you may or may not recognize from the portrait. A Forrest Gump with a camera, that's me. 
That's tremendous. Tommy, I want to thank you so much for being here, waiting out the first two guests, giving me humor on the backside there. I really appreciated that. We'll have you on again in a little while when we've got some more medium essays. That we